Welcome aboard. This is Comparing Apples to Oranges. I'm Mike. I'm Megan. And today we're going to compare two movies that belong in the same category, that don't belong in the same genre, and using a special set of criteria, decide which one's better. Megan, welcome back. Yay! Thank you for having me again. Oh, of course. Um, I'm so happy that we are going to talk about these two movies and that uh, we get to catch up because it's been it's been a hot minute um, since we have uh, chatted about um, silly silly media. So I'm looking forward yes. to this. Same. Thank you. Uh, so we approach our two movies today. My favorite part about uh, this podcast is that um ostensibly you're like you know you're going to find some connections between two mm -hmm. movies that uh don't seem to have any connections and then you're just like oh well here's one here's one here's another one here's another one right and um you know that i think that's fun and uh so today we're, we're we watch two movies about odd couples like that mm -hmm. that's the, pr the premise of the movie is it's so crazy that this you know city lawyer and this you know uh, downtown lady gal right right they, there's no way they're gonna get along oh wait <laughs> they have to solve a mystery like that so first of all that doesn't happen in either of these movies no. but that's the premise of an odd couple movie um when you think odd couple movies like that are successful what sort of stuff are you looking for what when you're like oh this is this will probably be good instead of basically stereotypes and stupid what are you looking for i think you're just intrinsically looking for some kind of incompatibility right so you're looking for a uh, a man who is either like super sexist or misogynistic and a woman who is the antith antithesis of that or you're looking for some kind of very uh on the nose struggle that is going to immediately pit these two main characters against one another in some way shape or form right because overcoming that is the goal of those movies you want to see these people figure out a way to set aside their crazy differences and either fall in love or solve something right whether it be a mystery a murder or i don't know something else Right. That's what you're looking for. And in the case of Lethal Weapon, you want both to happen. You're like, I really want Murtaugh to get along with right. Mel Gibson's character's name. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, yes. Oh, God, yes. Lethal Weapon. Sorry. Some For some reason, Die Hard just like flew into my face. Because right. I think Bruce Willis's birthday was yesterday, or was it today? Ooh, fun fact. Ooh, anyway, yeah, fun fact. But yes, correct. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be... Um, you know, a, a man and a woman and a romantic thing, but it it could be. I think a couple of dudes right. who hate each other for some reason. Most of the movies that are like that would be considered a romance. It's usually like this guy and this girl are never gonna get along, and right. then it's like that meme where the guy's eating the cereal and he's like, "There's no way they'll get along," and then like cut to the end and they're kissing. And he spits the cereal out. Um, do you find your, I find myself, uh, constantly starting to use memes as, uh, how I talk now. I think that's probably just an evolution of, ling um, you know, American English linguistics. I wouldn't worry about it, but, uh, well, no, but, but, well, 
that's literally all we have now is <laughs> I, I have no personal relationships except for my significant other, the dog, and meme accounts on Instagram. Yeah. That's literally it. Yeah. So I, that makes perfect sense to me. Okay, I, perfect. I, yeah. Um, so the, I think those might have been the first like movie versions of an odd couple. And then you start getting like the buddy cop movie. Mm -hmm. uh, Lethal Weapon being like, I think one of the first. I'm sure there was like a cowboy, uh, you know, buddy cop where it's like, hey, I'm a I'm a rough and tumble cowboy. I like this. And then, <laughs> well, what else would you call a cow, a cow puncher? Right. The Pecos I, Bill days. Oh, God, I, I literally don't even know. But the only thing I can think of is literally the show, The Odd Couple. Yes. Walter Matthau. And, and Jack Bob. Lennon? Ooh, nice. J Is that lemon. right? Jack Lemon? Yeah. yeah. When life gives you lemons, you um, make the odd couple. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's a good one. Because, like, don't they throw spaghetti on the wall in that? That seems yeah. like something. I mean, probably. It seem, seems right. And then, not uh, what's what's the other one? Um, Grumpy Old Men? Oh well, that's yeah, the movie that's incredible. But no, the other the other show, Perfect Strangers. Where... Thank you with Belky. Yes, yes, because I'm like it's not Mork and Mindy, but it is our boy, R.I.P. Yeah. Oh, Robin. Yeah, sorry. It's okay. Uh, I, you you didn't bring I went it to down. A dark, I went to a dark place. So did he. It's, it's not your like, fault. Yikes. Okay. Yep. But. But that's that's a a, a good um, example of that odd couple kind of situation, right? I mean, he's a literal alien, right? And that's the so what, that's the Mork and Mindy, which I've never seen, but I knew the. F I so is Alf trying to be the same thing? But I don't. But they're not in a relationship, oh. right? He's like a pet. Hmm. Anyway, <sighs> all I know is he has a penis nose and. I just said that, so yeah, he's a puppet. we can move on. Yeah, yeah that's we can move on. Mm -hmm. So I think, uh, and then there's of course the the hit uh, Queen Latifah and Jimmy Fallon, uh, buddy, uh, awkward buddy cop movie, um, Taxi, which I haven't seen, but I saw a trailer for it one time, and I said, "That's it. We've we've hit, we've done it, guys. We can hang up <laughs> cinema. We've reached the pinnacle. We done." <laughs> and also, I think there was a. The movie Bringing Down the House, where Steve Martin and Queen Latifah were in a couple. Poor mm. Queen Latifah. She sort of got typecast into the... Well, then, you know, Martin Lawrence tried to steal her job as Big Mama. So, yeah, like, well, I'm I... going to be the sassy black lady. You're like, that's... Hey. That doesn't seem but, right. But, yeah, I feel like that happens to um, women a lot. Like, you get kind of typecast as you have to be either the... The tough, the tough gal, right? Yes. You gotta, be, you gotta be like the tough lady who everyone has to prove themselves to, or vice versa. Yeah. As, as long as they're funny, I, I guess it's it's fine. I I can't I can't say I've seen either of those movies, but maybe I'll put them on my list. And I think that you bring up a good point. Like there aren't a lot of odd couple women movies that are comedies. I mean, like I think the Tina Fey, Amy Poehler sisters mm -hmm. would be one. Mm -hmm. and, and like, I don't think, I think Bridesmaids is 
more of like an ensemble than an odd couple situation, right? Yeah, I think the only one I can think of is that one with um, Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy. But is I, it Spot uh, the Heat? Yes, the that's Heat. It. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's that's the one that like immediately pops into my head. I would have to think about it just like I don't know a little bit more, but that's the one that immediately comes to mind. Is that oh you know you've got you've got the career person who's very serious and then the one who's not so much, and then they have to figure out how to reconcile and get the job done, right? Exactly. All in the name of the law. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I've I think. It's, I think it's a good time to start talking <clears throat> talking specifically about the movies. Yes. Uh, I want to start with Romancing the Stone because I think once we get started on Rhinestone, I'm not going to want to stop. <laughs> so uh, I, had, I had heard about Romancing the Stone for a long time. I had never seen it. I don't know if I why I didn't want to see it. I don't think I'm a huge Michael Douglas fan. Just like Mm. his face makes me uncomfortable. Like he always seems like, (laughs) you know how Jason today, because every time he's in anything, I'm just like, oh man, he's going to be like mean to someone. It's going to make me uncomfortable. And like, you're like, Mm -hmm. oh no, like it's always sunny on Philadelphia. He's really nice. And then Mm -hmm. by the end of the episode, he's yelling at people and hurting my feelings. And I'm like, every time I see Michael Douglas, I'm like, oh, something's about to go down. He's so wait, something bad. You, you've never hold on. I, I record scratch. Mm-hmm. You, you didn't grow up watching Romancing the Stone like I did. Um, I think I didn't. No. Oh. Yeah, it's oh. on me. Well, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just setting the stage for the differences between these two movies and our relationships with them, right? Fair. Like, of course. I grew up. Like, literally grew up watching this movie. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but I have a very long interesting history with Romancing the Stone. So it's very interesting for you to say, never wanted to watch it, don't know why. Michael Douglas makes me feel weird. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Michael Douglas makes me feel weird? Right. Maybe? I don't know. Anyway, that's interesting. Please continue. Okay. Um, so, uh, sort of in a nutshell, uh, our main characters, Kathleen Turner is a romance novelist, um, living in the big city. Uh, Mm -hmm. she lives by herself with a cat. Um, I, they sort of portray her as someone who is uh, a romantic at heart. So she doesn't want to date losers and her friend Mm -hmm. criticizes her for that. Uh, she seems to be fairly successful as a novelist mm-hmm. um uh multiple publications uh, uh won an award as like novelist of the year um so she's very talented at her job uh and then but she seems i guess they put her off as like frumpy I, what do you how would you describe what the movie wants us to think of her within that first like couple of minutes Yeah, I think they want us to believe that she's a person who can't uh, take the actions herself that she's writing about, right? So that, that like, intrinsic, well, I don't want to say intrinsically, because I think I already said that, but I think that all, like, automatically sets the stage for us to think, oh, she's a shut-in, she's a cat lady, she's sad, you know, she can't 
she can't figure out a way to um, get what she wants in a romantic uh, setting. So, like, she's quote-unquote mousy, you know? Like, she wears a lot of um, beige Mm -hmm. and a lot of browns. Nothing is... um, Nothing is bright in her life except for her writing. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. I think you're doing a little bit more work than the movie did, but I think that's a very good description. <laughs> uh, so um, all of a sudden she gets us a piece of mail um, from Colombia. Colombia, the uh, country Columbia. not, not right. uh, you know, go Tigers. Um <laughs> And she has to, uh, then she gets a phone call and her sister is being held hostage because her brother-in-law, who was murdered, had Mm -hmm. a map to, uh, a treasure map. Mm -hmm. And, um, she's kidnapped, her sister's kidnapped and she and being held ransom for this map. So she has to leave New York City and deliver this map. Uh, then she... Her bus gets is crashed, and then um, oh, she gets on the wrong bus. Oh yes, like a real is she? Well, because she she gets tricked effectively. Uh, but I guess we're supposed to like I don't know if we're supposed to think she's dumb. I can't pick up on that, or she's just like overwhelmed because everything's so different. Uh, Well, sorry let let me let me set set the stage for why that happens. So Holland Taylor, her best friend, you know, her publicist is telling her like, Hey homie, there's no way you can go to Columbia. You've like, you get sick on the bus. You get sick on an escalator. You can't do anything. What makes you think you can travel abroad to save your sister and do all of these things? You aren't, you aren't up for this. So we're, we're made to think that she's kind of like super weak and unable to complete any sort of physical task. So, uh, that lends us to, you know, see her in Columbia being unable to, um, like read, I guess, like read on a bus kiosk, like header thing, Cartagena. So I, I don't think she's stupid, but I think she's just so caught up in being uh, unable to believe in herself that she can't perform a small task like that. Right. And she's led astray by uh, who we eventually find out is um, a, like paramilitary. Yes. Uh, I guess like sort of like a warlord. Not necessarily a drug runner, because that's a that's a different character. So he's just sort of like this this uh, semi dictator guy who has like a, a private mm-hmm. army, and he's searching for this map um, as well. And uh, he once the bus crashes um, because she distracts the driver, <laughs> uh, he just crashes into a a jeep um, mm-hmm. and loose sets loose a bunch of birds uh mm-hmm. that we we are presented with um the true character of this bad guy and he pulls a gun on her and um lo behold jack t colton uh mm-hmm. your boy michael douglas shows up out of yeah, the blue boy. distracts <laughs> the gun uh gun wielding bad guy who shoots at him 
and Michael Douglas whips over a... Is it a shotgun? It looks like it... Cause... Uh, yeah, it's some kind of gun. I think I asked about that last night, mm-hmm. but then I've promptly forgotten what kind of yeah. gun it is. It's but a, I will it's a say... pump action, because he does that a lot. Yeah, I will say uh, he was shooting many more times than uh, cartridges yeah. yes. could be in that gun. And he so. didn't hit anything. No. Um, which I think is uh, sort of go back to the beginning, which I skipped over. The The movie starts with uh, the, the climax scene of a romance novel. Jesse. Uh, um, with uh, like a Western background where um, this villain comes in and he has murdered her father, raped her sister, shot yes. her dog, and stolen her Bible. I'm like, okay, this is, we're off to a good start. This is... Like I knew it was in a romance novel because I had read, you know, the uh-huh. the the little blurb, but I'm like, okay, this is very funny. To that's a great way to start, and in that, uh, the hero, like from you know, 500 yards, guns down three men with brilliant accuracy, and <laughs> I think it's already off to a good start where it's like this guy's, you know. He he's a gunslinger too, but he is very bad. Like he he ends up being like maybe fifteen feet away, and he still still misses. <laughs> right. Well, I love I love the um, uh, the nod maybe to uh, her in her novel. That guy, his name is Jesse. Right. Mm-hmm. He's the he's the savior, whatever. And then later on, not until what like I don't know. 15 minutes after she meets uh, the guy that you were talking about with the gun who, mm-hmm. you know, comes in and saves and they, they do a lot of other stuff, but eventually they learn each other's names. And she's like, well, what's your name? He's like, my name's Jack. And you're like, Oh, a J name. Huh? Mm-hmm. Interesting. She literally just finished a book about a man whose name started with a J Jesse. I don't know little interesting we'll see we'll see what happens mm-hmm. um so i'm gonna skip over a bunch of stuff but we've got uh danny devito shows up as sort of a yes. uh like a goon he's he's like a henchman um really cracks me up i think he does a great job <laughs> uh i also uh fun fact this is like his his like movie debut, his big mm-hmm. movie debut. Cause apparently like it was really hard to move from uh, TV to movies back then in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And he was a regular on taxi cab mm-hmm. or taxi. Yeah, taxi. Yeah. Okay. Uh, not the queen Latifah vehicle. No, no, I don't think so. That would have been, that's <laughs> a combo I want to see. Okay. I don't want to see Jimmy Fallon. I want to see Queen Latifah and Danny DeVito solving a mystery. Oh my god! Let's make that happen. Who do we need to write? Robert Zemeckis. Hey, I think he's pretty. He doesn't have anything going on. I mean, no. Forrest Gump two has been on, you know, in hiatus hell for a while. So he's literally just hanging out. So. Uh, okay, so what do you think is the most important stuff we we need to hit uh, before we move on? Like, how much more of the plot? do you think uh, needs to be disclosed before we can talk about uh, Rhinestone? Um, So I think there's 
a couple of small things uh, between the between the two. Uh, but with romancing the stone, I think it's important to talk about how these two characters weren't obviously like they weren't ever supposed to fall in love, but they do end up kind of falling in love and then really falling in love later once they decide on a joint uh, mission. Right. Yes. Like they we get we get like pretty pretty decently far through romancing the stone before they even decide that they're going to um, look at the map together and, and go after this as a um, cohesive team before that. It wasn't, that wasn't really the thing, right? He was just trying to help her get to a place. So I think it's important to talk about how they decide to come together on a joint goal and mission, which they also do uh, kind of in rhinestone Mm-hmm. Um, but then they, there's also kind of this um, uh, idea of kind of a distrust yes. almost. So yes. when when Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas are getting sexy in the bed, and uh, she's like, "Oh, you know, I really trust you," and blah blah blah, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, okay, you, yeah, I guess I do too," and you see him take the treasure map out from underneath the mattress and put it back in her satchel. Right. And you're like, Oh, so he kind of was a bad guy, but now he's a good guy. So I think that's, um, I think those are the two, two things that are important to bring up with romancing the stone as it relates to potentially what we're going to talk about in rhinestone and, uh, the character development and their uh, relationships with one another. Great. Um, yeah, it's sort of like, I think as an odd couple, like he was, he's kind of like brash, independent, and he doesn't really plan stuff and like obviously selfish. And then how would you just, so we described her as mousy and like sort of, uh, anxious i guess maybe like um she's an inside kid and then yeah she just doesn't yeah she just doesn't know how to believe in herself because she never has had to because her sister is that person right right so she doesn't she's never had to be but now she has to help her sister so yeah anyway all right um finally we can get to rhinestone okay uh (laughs) so Romancing the Stone was considered a action-adventure romantic comedy, and I think mm-hmm. that that hits all the things. Um, Rhinestone is considered a musical comedy film. Mm. Um, it's definitely has music in it, <laughs> but like when I think musical, I think that like s- the story is told through music. Mm-hmm. I so I I understand like this is and this is presumably a comedy like there were funny there were jokes written in it correct um and i certainly it was shot on film so i think that's gonna that sticks um un, unlike romancing the stone this was not directed by robert zemeckis this was bob clark <laughs> i don't uh, know who that is <laughs> let me let me lay it down for you um okay. director of baby geniuses and baby geniuses 2 super baby geniuses Perfect. Uh, the slasher cult movie Black Christmas, which you might have seen. Nope. Uh, what about Porky's? Oh yeah. And absolutely. And a Christmas Story. 
So he's big into Christmas movies, both okay. uh, wholesome and unwholesome, uh, you know, child comedies and uh, sex romps. So he's you know, he's got a I, gamut. Yes, I do not. I do not like the crossover between those three things. It sounds like I'm listening to some sort of serial killer. Uh, I'm, I'm listening to someone who's about to become on the radar for being a serial killer oh yeah for those three things i do not like that this is and this is before you know we knew lead paint would do stuff to your dna so like <laughs> this guy was just he's like okay what if i do a movie where santa's evil and they're like okay and he's like what if i do a movie about christmas and they're like cool is cool. it the same movie he's like no one's for kids and one's not for kids you're like this is <laughs> and then i'm gonna do rhinestone I'm like perp let's do it uh, the screenplay, one of the main writers is Phil Robinson, who wrote Field of Dreams. Damn. Uh, and it stars um, Dolly Parton fresh off of her two, like, really well-acclaimed movies. Uh, best Little... Is it Best? Yeah. Best Little the, Whorehouse. And, yeah. In Texas. That was in 82. And then right before that was 1980's 9 to 5. So she... Had a pair of Golden Globe nominations, which I'm, I, I I'm feel sure like, there's a joke wait, in there. Wait, yeah, I'm like, I feel like you keep saying two and pair and mm -hmm. double or something. And it feels like you're alluding to something about Dolly Parton that we... Well, let me read the next paragraph that has the word bosoms in it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so she's coming off of those like well-known movies where she is come from the world of country music and i think she's at this time i think she's moved into pop music so mm -hmm. she's well known and winning acclaim and uh then she does rhinestone with mm -hmm. um the the gentleman sylvester stallone who is uh credited as a screenplay writer on this um <laughs> he just did rambo which the first Amazing. one, so First Blood, like uh, an adaptation of a, a movie that no one had done before, like mm -hmm. where it's a story about a Vietnam vet who had suffered trauma over in like with the Viet Cong and he comes back and he like assaults a small town. Um, and then he does Rambo 2, which just goes off. So like we see like the beginning of like some uh, of a genius mm -hmm. and then this happens and um so the premise of the movie do you want to go over the 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 plot real quick and then we can dive into the meat of it i mean i feel like the plot of rhinestone is so so basic but it doesn't really do justice to all of the things that that go on but but truly the plot of rhinestone is a beautiful buxom country music star dolly parton uh makes a bet with some dude whose names are or sorry whose initials are fu which i found to be hilarious throughout the movie <laughs> um <laughs> she she has she makes this bet with this annoying guy that she can turn like some average joe Sh joe schmo into a singer um and Somehow, you know, they they land on Sylvester Stallone as a New York cabbie, 
to be this guy. And then they make it happen. And there's rhinestones involved. Yes. Uh, That's, that's it. So do you remember watching the opening credits and it says this movie is based on the song rhinestone cowboy? Yes. Yes. I was so pumped about this, like sidebar, not necessarily related to the movie, but you see, you see the word rhinestone and you, you, you can't tell me that that song doesn't start immediately playing in your head. Like I've been singing it for two, two, three weeks and it's very annoying. Uh. And I only know like four words of the song. And then you watch the movie and you see, Oh no, it's literally based on that. And you're like, okay, I feel a little bit of justification that that's been stuck in my head for so long. But then um, you're also kind of confused about it. Yeah, because it doesn't make sense. No, not at all. Um, so uh, it's described as um, so this is sort of like a reverse taming of the shrew. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm mean, reversing that the genders are reversed. Right. And then um, also they use the phrase uh, it's like Pygmalion, which I haven't seen, but it's the same thing, but like slightly updated, I think, right? Where it's like they take. A schlub and they have to you know uh, polish that turd and <laughs> um and i think the 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 good parts of the movie are uh like Do- dolly is so good that she like can't be touched by how bad the movie is agreed and like there are other parts when like the movie's not bad and you're like oh okay i didn't it actually like every time Dolly wasn't in a scene and it wasn't garbage? I'm like, this is this is okay. This is not bad, but every time she's in the scene and she has to suffer through it, I feel worse. Bad, yeah. I feel worse. It's very, it's very uncomfortable because you can like see. I feel like I could see in her eyes, mm-hmm. even though she wasn't emoting mm-hmm. it. I I feel like I could see in her eyes and her mannerisms, like, oh, I'm. I'm here doing this. Right. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Yep. This is, this is my life. That's, uh, I'll get through it and, uh, I'll just keep on keeping on cause I'm Dolly Parton. And so this is a little bit of like country mouse and city mouse sort mm-hmm. of like, I'm a little bit country. I'm a little bit rock and roll sort of like budding okay, of heads. <laughs> Except for they're not siblings. Which I wish good. these two were siblings. The romance Ooh. factor Mm-mm. does not work with Mm-mm. me. Mm-mm. But um, you want them to... Okay, I'm, I'm I not going to go I there. don't want okay. them to bang. I don't. <laughs> I want the opposite of that. I don't want them to shake hands. I want them to yeah. give a platonic nod at the end and then walk away. <laughs> I I had a very visceral physical reaction the first time they kissed. Like, I recoiled in pure um, disgust. Like, oh. I could take a picture of my notes, but I wrote down physically upsetting when they kiss. Like, (laughs) I remember watching it and I yelled out loud. I said, no. (laughs) Yeah, same. I think, I think maybe I felt you cosmically (laughs) because I did the same thing. I was like, no, I, I grabbed, well, no one on this podcast knows who Donovan is, but I grabbed Donovan's hand and I was like, no, no, I don't want that for her. Don't kiss him. Terrible no. is happening. I don't like it. Uh, okay, so, um, how would you describe the bar that she works at? Like, it, <sighs> it's 1984. 
It's mm-hmm. the Big Apple. Mm-hmm. Uh, this so, is a happening place. I mean, I, I, I'll just tell you here. Here, here, here was my my biggest takeaway about that. Uh, let let me see if I can find this. I think I just said, did New York have a huge country scene? Question mark. Like I'm confused. Did was there ever was there ever a time in New York's history that they were like, you know what we need? Sparkly country bar. Like it where seems... where <laughs> where are dudes wearing tight shirts? like kind of Ed Hardy kind of style shirts with yeah. rhinestones, obviously, duh. It's the name of the movie. Cowboy hats. There's there's some douchebag who's, you know, kind of in charge of it all, who thinks he's kind of some sort of a mobster, gangster type dude, but it's country? Yeah, it sort of seemed like they were trying to do a bar in the, like, the feeling of Roadhouse, where it's like the most mm-hmm. yes. swinging place around, but it was it was like strangely reminiscent of like cocktails bar too, like the TGI Fridays that Tom Cruise well, was a bartender in. I mean, Mike, it is 1984. Like yeah. there were three types of bars, right? I guess like, so. That's it. It's I like guess so. di- disco fancy, stuck up fancy, or everything else. And I think, yeah, they, so there's a mention of when uh, Sylvester Stallone's taxi driver is driving the um, the poor Asian family around. He's like, do you want me to take you to a disco? And I'm right. like, I distinctly remember disco being dead at this point. Like, they had the, the thing where they burned all the records, right? Already? Like, I thought disco was dead at this point. I mean, uh, I'm going to say in 1984 i was negative one year old right i think you were too but uh studio 54 i don't know when studio 54 and that kind of club scene kind of faded away but i definitely feel like there's something still there i just feel like (laughs) sylvester stallone's such a literal idiot in this movie that he's so out of touch with what anybody knows or what anybody wants that that kind of speaks to his character right he's like uh you want a disco that's a good point no so it's like we're supposed to pick up on that he's out of touch okay Mm -hmm. that works for me um i was worried that like he was trying to play someone with a brain injury at some point, like, I was oh. worried that, like, he was trying to, like, I am Sam it. Like, he was playing someone with intellectual disability. And mm. I, like, I didn't know if he thought that was supposed to be funny. In which case, I'm like, okay, this is deplorable. Or he's just mm-hmm. so bad at acting. Like, yes. that he thinks that the only way someone would act is as if, like, part of their, like, um, you know the part of their brain that controls impulses like gets Mm -hmm. destroyed and like they don't have a filter like he dances at one point and i like i was genuinely concerned he was gonna headbutt dolly parton (laughs) and i'm like i'm gonna have to turn it off if if i have to watch her get hurt by this well right she she is a national treasure and he even more so now because like the whole like before we're all just like yes she's contributed a lot to 
country music and American culture. And then we find out that she like, she's like a major donor to like research for the vaccine. And we're like, Oh, okay. Well, didn't see that coming. Yeah. You're literally amazing. And no one can say anything wrong about you. And if Sylvester Stallone in the past is going to do something to you, I will avenge you somehow in the, in the now for the past, because he's terrible like why why was he trying to like not take this sweet asian tourist family to a sushi restaurant like they wanted to he was like i don't know blah 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 i couldn't figure it out um so we we see two two settings we see new york which it's crazy okay there's sushi bars there's cowboy places taxi drivers are crazy um then we and then there's winos everywhere and that's funny Mm -hmm. uh this is when it was really funny that people were homeless i don't know do you remember that time when it was really funny that people are homeless hilarious uh and then we go to tennessee which is tennessee's also crazy because there's bar fights um people are chewing tobacco and they don't have teeth like you know it's crazy in both of these places absolutely yeah uh i did appreciate how uh the wor- the worst character that wasn't sylvester stallone um her manager lived in trump tower i'm like well at least that's uh-huh. nice that's good mm-hmm. thought that was funny um I up on that too i was like ew gross hate that <laughs> i got two more things before i'm gonna let you take over and describing this movie uh my first question is when we watch the old mcdonald's scene who who was that written for? Was that written for children, or was that written for like people who are so drunk seeing this movie that everything's funny? Like, there's a scene when they try to teach him how to sing country music, and they right they do it with the song "Old MacDonald," and it it's so awkward. Well, it's it's undefinable. Like who who I I've never made it a Hollywood movie, but at some point somebody has to look at a script, shoot, shoot what's happened, shoot what's on the, the script. And then people have to look at it. I'm familiar with the phrase Mm -hmm. editing and I'm pretty sure that's how, did no one catch any of this? So I think, I think I've got it. I think, uh, I mean, hopefully this, this doesn't, you know, uh, shake, shake anybody up. But I truly think it's because Sylvester Stallone is like, I literally don't, I can't, what are, what are songs? What, what is this? And they're like, Hey bro, do you know old McDonald? He's like, Oh yeah, I know that one. They're like, all righty, we're going to do that because that's, that's what we have to work with. That's fair. There's there's no other way. (laughs) There's no other way to describe that and put it into the movie for it to make sense you know what i mean it's exactly what you're saying why why would you do that i I don't know and then okay my last thing is um as a proud uh italian american i just want to talk about the stereotypes this movie put forward (laughs) and i think that they were they were fair uh, for italians only um they were speaking broken english they have a very protective mother they have mm-hmm. too much food on the table, mm-hmm. and um, nuns are always at our parties. I think all of that was, <laughs> uh, you know, Sylvester Stallone 
wrote this movie and he d- said this was all okay. And it's just like, I don't what's going on? <laughs> Remember the scene when he plays the piano um very badly? Yes. And um and there's a funeral going on mm-hmm. in his, in the house that he lives in and he has always lived in. Mm-hmm. Um there should, there should have been more jokes about him living in a funeral parlor. <laughs> it's like that just seems like a very rich field that was not developed. Everything about the movie Rhinestone was like uh, every everything that happened was at about uh, 50% of what it should be, right? right? It was like 50% of Sylvester Stallone being a taxi driver. Okay? <laughs> Fifty percent of Sylvester Stallone being Italian and Wait, living above a funeral home. <laughs> I totally forgot that like the movie moves forward because he destroys his car yes. and he needs the money. Yes. I've totally forgot why, about that. That's why they that's why it kinda it kinda works. But everything in this movie is just like so weirdly like loose yes. that you you can't ever really glom onto something like you should in a classic well i don't classic whatever in a stereotypical like kind of rom-com which this kind of is but again it's described as a musical comedy which is a thing i don't i don't know but you know i'm saying like it, it it totally misses out on uh a very definable or three definable factors that lead you to understand the character plot and the direction of what we're trying to achieve in this movie because it, then it just kind of like goes haywire and you don't know what's going on but there's rhinestones which is nice yeah um for like somebody who's trying to earn money through like completing a task he's just kind of an asshole to everybody like he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't put in any effort he's mean to her dad He's like the only person he befriends is like her ex, and she's like that's the only person that makes her mad. Dolly's like right. a saint through everything, and she's like, "Why did you have to do that? That's the only person who like is going to make me upset." And anyway, <laughs> let's let's move on. Uh, okay, so I both of these movies had a lot of issues behind the scenes. Um, Romancing the Stone, uh, mostly because Robert Zemeckis, this was like his, I guess this like maiden voyage. Yeah. Um, especially because while he was doing the remake of Cocoon, he got fired because they saw what he was doing with this movie, which is mm-hmm. interesting because he goes on to make Back to the Future and Forrest mm-hmm. Gump, which is just two of his more famous films. He also does right. Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Which Love he it. brings back uh, um, Kathleen Turner as the voice of Jessica Rabbit. I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting. I love it. Uh, so one of the behind things, behind the scene things, uh, was the these alligators. Um, so there, there's the mudslide scene where Kathleen Turner has to get stitches because it's so violent. But then Michael Douglas is grabbing the tail of the alligator. Um, and he gets whacked in the face by its tail. Oh. Uh, they had wired the jaw shut because, you know, it's an alligator. It's a prehistoric murderer. Um, yeah, it's fine. 
And when he gets hit in the face, he like lets go and the gator gets into the water and this is at night. And so the two handlers go looking for him and they don't know that the wiring has come off. Um, so what we didn't know was the wire had gotten loose and gotten off. The two trainers took a boat over to where the gator was and got into the water. Uh, and then the alligator took the guy's hand and spun him. Uh, like death spinned him and took him under the water. The other trainer, who was also the man's brother, went down and wedged the gator's mouth open to rescue his brother. We got him to the hospital in time. His hand was pretty mauled, and he had lost a lot of blood. (laughs) Michael Douglas says, I went to see him. He wanted to whisper something to me, and I leaned over and he said, my Rolex. It turned out he saved losing his hand because the alligator bit down on his watch. Oh my we God. went back to the location, dove in the water, and we found the Rolex watch. <laughs> um, this is all told within like the context of this is a Michael Douglas film. Like he was producing this, so right? <laughs> I, I'm just assuming this was also his fault. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, and then, sort of on the other side, much less harrowing, much more stupid. I'm going to read you a quote from Sylvester Stallone from 2006. Oh boy. He says, the most fun I ever had on a movie was with Dolly Parton on Rhinestone. All right. And the 2006, I think he's already done one of the expendables. So like take that Dolph Lundgren. Um, (laughs) I must tell everyone right now that originally the director was supposed to be Mike Nichols. That means nothing to me. That was the intention. And it was supposed to be shot in New York down and dirty with dolly which is a different movie (laughs) oh yeah and i with gutsy mannerisms performed like two antagonists brought together by fate so already he doesn't understand the premise of the movie that she's the hero (laughs) yeah i'm very i'm very confused by what he just said (laughs) it's like he doesn't know what taming of the shrew or pygmalion are because that's this movie that's the whole premise of the movie and he doesn't know it he wanted gutsy mannerisms Anyway, I wanted the music at the time to be written by people who would give it a sort of bizarre edge. So, first of all, fair. He says, believe it or not, I contacted White Snake's management, and they were ready (laughs) to write some very interesting songs alongside Dolly's. Uh, So, like, taking a step back, Dolly Parton had two, like, incredibly popular songs that come out of this. I think she won... If it wasn't the gra- a Grammy, it was a country music award for one of the songs in this movie. Mm-hmm. So he's just like, yeah, the issue was the music. <laughs> like, he's stupid idiot. What an asshole. He's I'm a... sorry. Like, so dumb. Like, so out of touch. <laughs> but I was asked to come down to Fox and outsteps the director, Bob Clark. Bob is a nice guy. But the film went in a direction that literally shattered my internal corn meter into smithereens. Spoken like a true man who has had too many blows to the head. (laughs) I would have done many things differently. I certainly would have steered clear of comedy unless it was dark. Belgian chocolate dark. Silly comedy didn't work for me. I mean, would anybody pay to see John Wayne in a whimsical farce? Not likely. I would stay more true to who I am and what the audience would prefer rather than trying to stretch out and waste a lot of time and people's patience. Stallone said he regrets making the film. Um, 
So I just did what? a real quick Google search on like John What's a Wayne corn meter. Uh, I think <laughs> you know what a corn meter is. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I do, but continue. Uh, but anyway, so I did a a Google search of like John Wayne comedies, and he's in like f- four or five romantic comedies. So like, it when you say I don't want to stretch, it means you don't know how to act. Like it's oh right, it's like hey, I'm literally Sylvester Stallone. I am quote unquote a beefy Italian man. Oh yeah. Please let me just be that, and I'll be fine. It's like, uh, okay, guy, you don't know what you're doing. What would dark humor be? What does he think dark humor is? I, I'm i not sure. Does he literally think it involves chocolate? <gasps> that would, oh, he, no. Well, 2006, he might, he probably would have already seen the Johnny Depp movie, Chocolat. So maybe he's like, oh, God, I love that movie. I'm sorry. He's like, I think that's comedy because he's such. Uh, he's not a strong man, but this woman falls in love with him. That's comedy, right? And you're like, yep, you got it. Yep, nailed, <laughs> nailed it. it. So good. I don't know. I'm very confused by everything that he just said because it seems like it's seven, seven, seven. I'm going to go with seven. Seven different kind of stances on yeah. a thing. And it's like, uh, there's what, what's what, what what's the cohesive uh, direction? What, like, what do you want, guy? No one knows. And I think the worst part of this is, so of course, Rhinestone was a uh, critical and financial flop. And as a result, Dolly doesn't get to make a movie until Steel Magnolias. So she has to wait five years. And she's just starting to flex her like acting chops. And she has to, meanwhile, Stallone like makes like two more movies that year. And then like, like continues to make movies until yesterday. Um, that's the sec- that's the sexist nature of it though but but hold on yeah. but you support that- sexist natures i get it <laughs> shut shut up no. <laughs> classic Cahill. <laughs> uh, classic Cahill. you know me anti-feminist uh all the way 12th wave uh, feminism we hate all women <laughs> <laughs> no no but he he's just like a told me what to do and she's right. a true artist yeah. So in so many ways, yes, it actually does kind of make sense to me that she's not doing things for a few years because she's being a literal badass. She's the person who wrote the song Jolene and I will always love you in one day. Like who else can do something like that? And Stallone's just like, cool, you're going to give me money to do a thing where I'm a guy. I'm in. And then he's like, but I'm going to rewrite it. And you're like, what? But I want it to be dark. Chocolate do you know, dark. Do you, you're know like... how that, do you know how that works? Like <laughs> dark? Like chocolate? Cool. Um, apparently he was actually supposed to be in Romancing in the Stone. Shut the f- fuck up. Can yeah. I say that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> how do I not know this? It's... I'm trying to find the... So, yeah, he was supposed to be in it, and allegedly... Okay, so Stallone reportedly turned down Romancing the Stone and Beverly Hills Cop to make Rhinestone. <laughs> uh, but, like, full so context... Ter- terrible taste. He he doesn't so much turn down them as... I, I think he turned down Romancing the Stone because it was, like, being shot in Mexico at the, cur- at the same time this would have been shot in the States. But, like, the thing with Beverly Hills Cop is he saw the script and he wanted to make it, like dark well like 
that's the thing is like he he makes the the movie cobra instead of beverly hills cop and if you see the two next to each other you're like this is he's he's insane like the the movie is like if judge dread was real which he makes judge dread like you know six or seven years later but like the premise of what he thinks a movie should be and then what it turns into if he touches it is Mm. just like it's it's when you know toxic masculinity like starts like we we knew what it was in the 50s because that's just what all men were but like in the 80s it's like literally anytime dolly does anything it hurts his feelings because he doesn't feel like a man and you're like maybe you don't feel like a man because you're an idiot not not a not like yeah Yeah. you don't contribute to society or the community or stand up for yourself and he's like why'd you have to punch him now i feel bad you're like what because you skipped because you skipped leg days stallone like it's really obvious and like he he's wearing a lot of makeup in this movie and like oh my god so much and that's okay like i'm okay with that no the the issue i have is that like it looks like trash like if you're gonna do it just like get somebody to do it for you like there's no shame in wearing makeup but you should be ashamed of how you look if you look like that (laughs) you're right because that's a that's actually a really good point because it's it's funny about you know like Dolly Parton where people have always criticized the way that she looks and right. she's like well no I always I, I always saw this woman walking around you know our our town and I liked the way she looked and people said you know uh, she looks like a clown blah mm-hmm. blah blah they call her the town tramp and she mm-hmm. was like I didn't care I thought. You know, people said she looked like trash, and she was like, well, that's what I want to be when I grow up, trash, mm-hmm. and that's how my look is. But she's embracing it and doing it perfectly. Like, she's wearing this, like, amazing wig, and she's, like, totally done up. And then Stallone, to your point, is wearing, like, all this weird makeup that just doesn't look good, but yeah. he, I guess, thinks it does? Like, I'm confused about it? So. Uh, so again, I think we're going to do a little bit more work than the movie did. Maybe it's because huh. like he's having the person who does the makeup at, for the, like the, in, in his home undertaker, maybe they're doing his makeup and that explains oh, where like, because like, he lives above a funeral home. Yeah. His dad owns a funeral home and he lives in it. Um, that's my guess It's because like he kind of, you know, he has the super arched eyebrows, like they plucked it and then just painted it. So that's, that's my guess. Mm, that kind of brings me to like this uh, death becomes her vibe, Ooh, right? Like, yeah, that makes sense. Is Stallone dead? Like, has he been dead for a long time? And he was trying to tell us that in Rhinestone because he's like, no, literally, I live above a, a mortuary or whatever. I mean, and I have this terrible makeup. He's like, literally, I'm immortal. I'm getting spray painted. He's He definitely like would have died in mo multiple car accidents as a taxi driver so that i mean tracks. That we, tracks. we we might need we might need to investigate this next I mean, time i don't I, know Just i already saying. saw rambo last blood and he does not look like a human so maybe yeah maybe. i don't know i just watched death becomes her for the millionth time like last week so yeah. i'm ready i'm ready to talk about it all right that's that's we got to put that on another podcast that's just too much <laughs> Too much tent. Too, too much. much. We'll put that on the Patreon. <laughs> um, 
So real quick, Romancing the Stone started with ten million, made a hundred and fifteen million. Um, and it's considered uh, certified fresh. I think it's at eighty five percent on the Rotten yeah, Tomato. Yeah, not meter. bad. So, um, I st- like. I don't know. Okay, are you ready to go to the categories, or is there uh, a little bit of a coda you want to put on this part? Um, I don't know. I feel like we've touched on most of the major themes and you know like issues and things that we we really needed to talk about for for both of these movies i mean 1984 for both of them strangely enough yeah. uh, unintentional also they both have stone in the fr- in the title also not intentional and, and they both start with r Ooh, yeah Ooh, I know. Come and and both the main characters first names start with j oh yeah jake and joan jake and joan Hmm. Just saying, things are weird. No, I, I think uh, I think we've covered off on on most of it. So okay, uh, we'll be back in a minute with uh, our categories to decide which one of these a uh, couple movies is better. All right, we're back. Uh, Megan, do you want to talk about a couple of our criteria here? I'll start with the the first one. We always talk about rewatchability when we talk about movies on this podcast so which one of these uh would you not turn off if it showed up on tv or would you um maybe seek out pop it in the old vhs player and uh (laughs) you know soak up the old 1984 whimsy um and then we also have we talked about which one of these uh odd couple movies is sort of doing a better job of portraying a realistic relationship or Mm -hmm. Um, as opposed to sort of just Hollywood artifice. And then um, I thought you did a really good job of describing uh, our other two criteria. Do you want to go over those? Yeah, sure. Um, I think the other important one is uh, just the idea of female empowerment, right? So we've got two movies that are completely um, centered around the main characters being female and I mean, there's some sexist shit that goes on there, but uh, the idea of female empowerment, so which movie kind of helps that cause um, continue forward and does a really good job of, um, you know, helping us ladies feel like we can do whatever the hell we want because we can. Awesome. And I think um, we sort of see both of the characters have like an arc and mm-hmm. um one is definitely more frustrating than the other uh with that so i think we'll, we'll we'll have a lot to talk about with that and then our last one um you pointed out uh right before the break that both of these movies um not necessarily unbeknownst to us but like we picked them not knowing that they were came out in 1984 right. um you mentioned that it that was before both of us were born but <laughs> uh I, I would consider us not necessarily like we didn't grow up in the 80s but we're like children of the 80s right um so we talked about which one encapsulates the vibe of 1984 do you want to talk about that a little bit yeah absolutely just you know uh when when people look back in time and they think about the early to mid 80s which one of these movies lends itself to that right so is it more the vibe of Romancing the Stone, which primarily takes place in a foreign country, so it's a little bit different, or you know, just the the way that characters um, relate to one another, or is it more 
this uh, mix of New York City and, and Tennessee vibe that, that really gives us the sense of what 1984 would have been. All right. Uh, where do you want to start? These are these are all really good ones. Where do you feel like starting? I don't know. I feel like um, there's the three that kind of uh, mix together are relationship com- compatibility or comparability, you know, like believableness and female empowerment and then the encapsulation. But I don't know. I feel like rewatchability is always a really nice place to start for Let's me. Let's do it. Um I'm going to rewatch Romancing in the Stone. What about yes. you? Yes. Absolutely. I think I've seen Romancing the Stone unironically or unrelated to podcasting mm-hmm. my entire life, probably once every year, every two years. Okay. So 100% Romancing the Stone. It's great. Minus Michael Douglas making you feel weird. And I think that's the thing is like, it's, it's more of like, I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect. And he's, I've only seen him as sort of like grimy. Like, I think the first movie I saw him in as an adult that I would like remember, oh, like I I, I went past like, oh, I'm watching movies too. I'm like, oh, this is an actor that I've seen Uh before in a was the game where he like, oh, yes, where he plays like a slime ball. Like it's so it, totally. It's sort of like Total Recall, but like less sci-fi. Well, it mm-hmm. also doesn't take place on Mars, so I guess no. that's another thing. But um, and then like uh, you know, he's always he's he's best known as Gordon Gecko, like this you know loud mouth, you know toxic, just greed is good psycho. Well, um, yeah, and also like Fatal Attraction, you cannot leave that out. Right. You know. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but if you haven't, yeah. you should watch it. I'm not a huge fan of Pet Rabbits, so I think I would love the movie. <sighs> okay. Um, so, I, and it's not that Rhinestone was unwatchable. It's that I wanted to sort of, like, do a director, uh, like an audience cut, where it's just the parts that I would like. Mm-hmm. And um, have, this is a... a uh, um, a shot in the dark. Have you ever seen the movie Speed Racer by the Wachowskis? Um, let me furiously Google that right now. It doesn't sound. Familiar. So it was a live action remake of the like 1970s, 1980s anime about like a Cartoon. race car yeah, driver. Yeah, yeah. I know, I'm familiar with that part of it, but not the. Uh, it's got live action. Matt Fox from. Um, lost and it has susan sarandon and john goodman and then i can't remember the kid's name he he was popular but at the time but he i i think he's fallen off the face of the earth um and i want to say christina ricci that's probably wrong yep no you're right okay. I'm, I'm looking at the page right now you're um, doing so if if they had given me the power to edit that movie i would have taken all the scenes with the little kid and the monkey out and people would have liked it better. I'm not mm. saying it would have made it a better movie. I think people would have just liked it better. Because, like, it's too long. And certain characters just, right. uh, you know, it's like they they just drag it down. Um, and I think this movie has so much good to it. But I'd have to, like, get a hologram and some deep fakes in there to, like... Because <laughs> if I think I'd be able to, with the right software, I'd be able to take 
Sylvester Stallone's voice out of all the songs. Mm. Um, or just uh, Singing in the Rain It, where, like, he's nice. on screen, but then, like, just anybody with, a you know, just an ounce, ounce of talent. Or just, you know, a, a inanimate carbon rod is just <sighs> singing instead of him. I, I mean, I agree with you fully. I... I don't want to be rude or mean for no reason, but anytime he was singing or even almost talking, I could not <laughs> understand what the hell he was saying. And I was like, is is he singing? Like, what are the words to the song? I yeah. feel like that, that movie just need to be tightened up. Someone with a better eye than what's that dude's name? That was supposed to be the director. Oh yeah. Um, Charlie, Charlie good boy. I don't remember Bob, his name. Bob Clark. Same difference. I Charlie mean, Goodboy, Bob Clark. Someone two, with two a better sort of first eye. Names? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Someone needed to tighten that movie up because it was just like, uh, okay, I'm, I, I guess I'm just gonna like let some people run around with a camera and see what I get, and then we'll throw it together and it'll be a movie. Yeah. I can't, I can't follow that or condone that. Like there was no, it just wasn't tight enough i like tried to look for these songs in the movie like if dolly had redone them just because mm -hmm. you know she has an enormous catalog so i just assumed that she like re-recorded it with um anybody else and that they, they don't exist so the only way you can listen to these songs which i liked some of the songs like i thought they were really catchy i thought they were good but like you have to sylvester stallone is on the album on the track you can't unlisten to him like mm. there's no special filter for that and it's like he is such again an egomaniac that he can't sing quietly like he he doesn't try to harmonize or anything he just like <laughs> he just yells his things it's like he just talks loud and he thinks that's what singing is i mean is it not is i that, mean is that is that not right uh, i'm i'm a proud tone deaf uh singer but i can still appreciate good singing. <laughs> you don't have to be a chef to know that SpaghettiOs shouldn't be, you know, served at a restaurant. That's all I'm saying. Word. Um, all right. So let's go to which one encapsulates 1984, because I think the other two are just so rich uh, mm -hmm. for discussion that I think we can knock this one out. Um, not, not that it's easy, just that it's sort of like we can mm -hmm. figure this one out. We can suss it out. I'm going to say... Do you want to go first? Sorry. No, oh, that I mean, whatever. I yeah, sure. I mean, man, I'm I'm totally 100% skewed towards romancing the stone. Sure. <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there, but I really do feel like romancing the stone does a better job at pretty much everything mm -hmm. in comparison to rhinestone. Rhinestone is just so un believable as it relates to the year 1984 right so back to one of my original kind of like points or inference it well not even inference but like okay it's 1984 i'm in new york city is was there like a really hot music like country music scene i think that... i think cbgb was originally country band good boys oh wow i did it i didn't think Yay, i would be able to do it you there. did it 
I mean, maybe, but did it last that okay. long? And was it that hot? Like, was that a oh, there, thing? No, there's, so, there's no. I mean, like, country so, music yeah. was popular. Like, the country, like, the neon cactus and... Sure, like, like the the blingy side of country music, right? Like rhinestone, yeah. right? Like, uh, uh, anyway. Pre boot scootin' boogie days. Right. So if I watch the movie rhinestone and I don't know what year it's made, right. I can't really tell you it's like early eighties. I can tell you it's not of this time, but I can't really tell you like, Oh hell yeah! Like that's early '80s. Like I'm getting, I'm getting that whole vibe from this. But I feel like I get that from *Romancing the Stone*. With number one, everyone in that movie is wearing a fucking fedora, and <laughs> every everyone is doing it well, right? <laughs> and everyone is smoking. Well, yeah. not quite everyone. People are smoking. Yeah. Um, all of the bad guys are like have a very thick mustache. So you know they're bad yes like obvious villain obvious villain you have a thick mustache you're swarthy Mm -hmm. not being racist i'm just saying that was the early 80s if you're swarthy you're wearing a fedora and you have a thick mustache bitch watch out yeah you're a bad guy exactly uh you know uh kathleen turner has this like kind of uh curly full hair everything is kind of like beige mm-hmm. and orangish and you know like it, the the jewelry is gold and and kind of garish yes that to me is the early to mid 80s so to me what movie am i going to watch for some early to mid 80s <clears throat> excuse me nostalgia romancing the stone 100% perfect so I'm going to just uh, provide an argument just, you know, for the sake of discussion. I would say that I think Rhinestone uh, encapsulates 1984 with, like, the greasy male, like, he doesn't have a mustache, but he's the villain. So, like, <laughs> he, he holds her contract, and the only way she can get out of it is with this bet. And if she loses, then she has to pay him with sex. And you're right, like... Mr sexist like 80s he's got this like giant open shirt you know and like uh everybody at the bar um is is just an asshole to strangers like with like the premise is he has to survive stop barking (laughs) hi you know i'm trying to pod bro he's so cute you can't eat my pen hi friend um, but I think, uh, well, the whole, like, the premise is he has to, quote-unquote, survive one song in front of this mean crowd. And, like, that's so, like, 1980s New York mm-hmm. is, like, uh, it, you, you gotta be, you gotta be special to make it here. You gotta be tough to make it here. And, like, that's, I think that they did that really well. Like, they were mean. Like, they were just, like, heckling for no reason. Yeah, and that was uh, that seemed very like '80s bad 80s, guy sort yeah. of thing. And then they did the slow clap at the end, like everyone's mind has changed. And so I don't think this um, does a good job of portraying New York in the '80s, and you nailed that. But I would say this is like typical 1984 filmmaking. Yeah, like sexist and very misogynistic and openly. 
like yeah, not not hinting. Sure. You're like, right. No, you're you're totally right. Yes. But I think you bring up a good point where like it's Romancing the Stone did a good job of making a movie of its time not be centered in the 80s like it's just like this is happening in the present and it just so happens that it was 1984. Yeah, but you also have to remember like so so music to me, you know, when you're thinking about the times. Mm-hmm. The music I, oh, okay, hold on. The music in Rhinestone, obviously the music is like a, a huge part of the film, right? But I can't remember any of the songs right now. But in Romancing the Stone, I'm like, I remember that freaking saxophone. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a soprano sax or some shit. I don't remember. But I can hear it. And to me, yeah. that also lends to the uh the the 80s vibe right like there's always a, a cool ass saxophone mm-hmm. and it's making you feel things it's cool jazz but it's hot times you know hell yeah that's Absolutely. a good point that's a good point all right uh split vote on that okay let's go to uh <clears throat> which one had a realistic uh portrayal of a relationship of an <laughs> odd couple wait 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 hold on a realistic portrayal of an odd couple or a realistic portrayal of a couple that was odd that could actually be sustainable i feel like those are two separate things that's true um what do you think the um premise of an odd couple movie is because like they're supposed to end up together is how the movie's supposed to be right true but i feel like it has to be believable believable in a way that lends itself to sustainability through the test of time right so um i'm gonna bring up the movie leap year and that's sort of like he Mm -hmm. you know they're never gonna get along because she's uh too uppity and he's too you know rural yeah (laughs) i was gonna say like drunk but i don't think he's that drunk (laughs) but so that's the sort of thing where it's like it's believe like yes it's exactly it's a believable relationship by the end of the movie it's a it's an arc that these two um Mm -hmm. they they the reason they were acting that way is because they had their guard up sort of thing so i think Mm -hmm. you're you're doing a a good job of sort of getting down to the brass tacks of what an odd couple movie should be and that's what we should say is more realistic or which ones to like just Clearly, this is a movie, and they plugged things in, and then they thought that mm-hmm. it would just work. Yeah. Well, okay. So, this is a this is kind of multi layered, right? Because you don't you don't want to fall into the uh, stereotypical mindset that people need to fit certain roles with within their gender or age or looks in order to be a successful, believable couple. Right. Correct. We, we don't want to do that because it's, it's not reality and it sets up a really bad precedent for basically everyone. Right. Because love is love and you should be able to feel the way you feel about the person that you're with, regardless of X, Y, and Z, right? Like you're yeah. taller, shorter, all, all of that dumb stuff that literally makes no difference. I think it's just so, height, though. I really, it, it that's, literally that's is it for me. Yep, Everything that's else it. is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yep. 
Yeah, yeah, right, right. I'll be goddamn if a shorty gets with a tallie. Not in my stop, country. Stop it. Being a being a relatively tall woman, I take offense to that, and I'm leaving this podcast. That's right. fine. I'm gonna deep fake you anyway. It's fine. I'll, I'm get, out. I'll get a shorty in here. <laughs> I'm out. Oh. No. Oh, so sad. No, but you know you. Ugh, you gotta think. You gotta think about that stuff, and then you have to like set aside your personal biases and uh ideals about all that crap and then you got to look at it because you're like oh wait i'm literally just watching a movie mm-hmm. okay megan stop being so crazy um but i so... think you bring a bring up a good point like if it's so outrageous then it pulls you out of the movie like if it's so unbelievable it the story doesn't make sense and the the whole reason you're watching a movie is to hear a story or to like wit, right. you know experience a story and so like if it pulls you out then that means something went wrong other than casting or yeah, editing exactly. or directing or just right the the two characters in the movie not having the correct chemistry is exactly. really yes and you're you're basically getting to you know the point that I was slowly getting to that. It's all about the chemistry of the people within the movie because sure. those two actors and the and the writing and the directing and all of that crap lends lends itself to get you as a viewer to where you want to see those two people, right? Because that's the whole point of these movies. So if we're taking all that in, into consideration and I'm watching Dolly Parton mm-hmm. and Sylvester Stallone right. shove their faces together – and I'm physically recoiling. Oh yeah. Not not good. Nope. I'm out. Hard pass. N-n-n-n-n-n. Not believable at all to me. Like I could see them, you know, like maybe making out because, you know, you make out with people. Whatever. Yeah. They're adults. But, uh, yeah. As a consenting adults, but as a believable romantic coupling, absolutely not. Only because this it, this is moving into the next one with the feminism and like female portrayals of like 1980s standards not at all. He, she is so much more before he gets there, mm-hmm. and she just needs and and he doesn't even help her. It's her helping him. And then he does nothing. Right. And what he does do is bad. Like, he can't even get through a song by himself. She has to come on and help. Help him. Right. And then, yeah. So, we're in the, with Romancing in the Stone, we see, like, he is um, self-serving. Right. And, um, you know, somewhat to a fault. Like, he'll lie. He'll deceive. He's burgled. All that stuff. Um, and then we I love that word. <laughs> and then we see like her, and she like we find out that she, you know, she is very capable. She just, you know, was she never put herself in a place where she would be unsafe or need to rely on herself. Mm-hmm. Um, she never needed to live out these fantasies because she would just write them, and that was enough for her to experience. Right. Um, and sort of like they sort of see in each other these. That, that they can be more than who they were without right. each other. And so it's like... That makes sense. Yeah. And like what, you know, 
she uh, does some crazy adventurous things and that surprises him and like sort of enamors her to him because he's kind of a adventurer in a lot of ways. Right. And then like she sees that he is also, you know, behind his rough demeanor. He's also like a dreamer. He's a romantic because he wants to, you know, get, get that this. Boat. Yeah, that's it. Like he's just grinding until he can um, be free of all of this and she's like oh well i i think about that too like i'm in my tiny apartment not meeting people but i really just want to be with one person and happy all the time so right so they're both characters that are like functioning at 85 percent of their human capacity to function as a loner too right uh, yeah right as a loner as an adventurer as a homebody, but when they come together, they can see the reflection of themselves and the other and understand that there's, you know, a way that they can find, find themselves and, you know, uh, leap forward as, as humans and help each other all while, you know, burning kilos of weed mm-hmm. and getting blazingly high With- in a... And drunk. Out. Yeah, and very drunk on some sort of tequila in a burned out fuselage of a of an airplane. But but right, right, they that's what you want to see. You want to see two people figure out their um I don't want to say um like their lack like how they lack right. in themselves, but you you want to see them fulfill fulfill right the the part of themselves that they feel like they can't do without a support system whether yeah. it be a vulnerability or an adventure um and, and do that and you don't i didn't get that in in rhinestone at all because and so she needs to get um her contract from her evil boss mm-hmm. and the deal is that she has to find someone who's not a leper and who's not dead. <laughs> yep. And, um, and like, that's, that's what he is. He's neither of those things. And that's what his purpose is. Like he shouldn't, he does nothing to enamor himself to her and she is nothing but kind and sweet and right. dreamy. So I don't know why we understand why he would fall for her, but it's right. inexplicable that she would fall for him. Like I think the only reason would be to like, for me personally, it's like to go to his mom's house and eat that delicious food. Mm-hmm. Like maybe once every month and that's it. Like yeah. as a friend, check in with that nun. Right. Like, Hey girl, what's up? Cause that nun knows how to party. Yeah, exactly. Like, what? And then that's it. Cause he's so like, he also just seems like, asexual i'm picking up on this in like a lot of his movies like there's no like like charisma towards like how he acts towards women and like the only like i don't know because he's ostensibly he's attractive in that like he's burly but like his face isn't good looking and he can't talk (laughs) or say like he can't you can't have a conversation with him I and think I understood I five words he said in this entire movie. And one of them was like sushi. <laughs> and I don't know. Old McDonald. Yeah. I think. No, I I just knew from Not context that, what he no. was saying. I didn't actually right. know what he was saying. Um, okay. So uh, with our last one, um, 
which movie does a better job of portraying uh so we have strong female characters uh can you believe that they didn't actually consider so they said that the movie stars uh michael douglas and co-stars danny devito and kathleen turner shocker Uh, like when did you i mean like it's because he's the producer and his name's on it twice but like she she's the lead right like this movie is legitimately centered around two sisters right but and, and it shows need help right? how much they're willing to do for each other and then we sort of see how the brothers take care of each other with danny devito and his male cousin right and how he like literally they constantly bicker like they send each other to do dangerous jobs with no there's like, not a lot of trust there. It's not a solid foundation. Yeah. Like those, those two are going to turn on each other at any moment. It's terrible. I think that's a really good point. So, what do you want to say about the feminism that's presented with Dolly Parton, who is on record as like recently on record as saying she doesn't consider herself a feminist, which is like mm-hmm. I don't know if it's third or fourth wave feminism, but like when like the most feminist thing you can do is let like other men or men and other women shouldn't tell a woman that she should be a feminist it's one of those waves where it's just like i think the best thing to do is let women make their own choices (laughs) and um unfortunately the 80s was maybe second wave like with Mm -hmm. betty fernanda in the 60s i think they were still trying to figure that shit out then so it's just like uh the fact that she dolly parton left home Mm -hmm. um and isn't like a housewife is you know a step forward for this movie (laughs) so right yeah no uh, exactly so yeah i've been thinking about this one and uh i can I can argue for each movie and each main character that they're doing a lot for, you know, themselves and and, um, feminism or not, you know, just focusing on you as a person and your personal growth, right? And, Mm -hmm. And how you move through the world and how you want to conduct yourself and how you want to conduct yourself with other people and helping others, right? Right. So I think I think I have to I think I have to give it to Dolly in this one uh, for Rhinestone because she while while it's not kind of to your point, like I don't I don't know how to say this succinctly um, to your point that she's not overtly, you know, trying to be uh, a feminist feminist and and brand herself that way uh she's she's not lending herself to falling within uh, being a a victim or uh or anything of that nature she knowingly and like i said before is very forthright about saying you know she she kind of modeled herself after the quote unquote town tramp and I'm not Mm -hmm. putting words in anyone's mouth or anything like that. I'm just literally very open about it. Yeah. Literally quoting what she's saying. She's like, I love the way that that lady looked and I wanted to look that way and I fricking did it. Yeah. So her power is 
is is so focused on the fact that she is an incredible artist. She is an incredible songwriter. She's an incredible performer. And she really harnesses that in this movie um, because she's like, I'm so freaking good at what I do. I can literally take someone like Mm -hmm. Sylvester Stallone Mm -hmm. and make him a singer and win this bet because I am so confident in myself and my abilities that I can do that. So I feel like she's doing so much for the idea that you don't have to doubt yourself and you don't have to doubt your abilities to prove anything to anyone, even though she kind of had to for this idiot guy, but she didn't doubt herself, right? Right. So even though Joan in Romancing the Stone uh, had to come to that a little bit later, she had to do a lot of self-discovery and allow herself to be vulnerable and, you know, um, I, I... did she have a drinking problem? Like, I don't like, she was always like having those little like bottles of whiskey or whatever. And she threw the glass into the fireplace. Yeah. I was like, yeah, girl. I mean, cool, whatever. But I'm not saying Joan did less of a job, but I, I do feel like Dolly in rhinestone did such an awesome job at portraying a confident, willful uh woman who who's um forthright in her artistry yeah and we see her like you could argue that uh, like oh she relies on a man to set herself free and you're like not not as so much relies on as uses and like you know if you look at it within that lens it's like the the romance angle like it could just be her being savvy and like playing this moron you know yeah, it's, it's, yeah wait are you you're talking about romancing the stone right no i'm talking about dolly is using this man to help her get out of this contract oh, that she's right, exactly yes sorry and yeah. like um while she's clearly very able to defend herself physically and um we find out financially, like, even though she was, you know, she got duped and then she got out of it. Like, maybe she's just, like, pretending to be with this guy so her disgusting, like, boss leaves her alone sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, but again, I'm doing more work than the movie. Um, with I think with Romancing the Stone, I would argue, so I'm giving it to that movie because I think that um, Joan... She says multiple times, she's like, I'm looking for the, I'm waiting for the right guy. She wants to mm-hmm. be in a relationship. She's not, she's not happy alone in her own, like that she's making the choice. I want to be with someone. I just haven't found that person. And so when she's whisked away at the end, um, she's like going on another real adventure, which she finds out that she like, it's not that she didn't want to have that life before. It's that she didn't have someone to share it with. So I'm going to give it to her. Um, yes, uh, when she starts to be independent, she she immediately needs to like... So when she's cutting down stuff with the machete mm-hmm. and, um, and, the, and then like she sees a dead guy and cries and he has to hold her. And then like she asks for his help um, and he decides to like 
let the gator go and try and help her. But then we find out that like she ends up killing the guy by himself or by herself. She like, you know, is in bodily physical danger from this man trying to kill her. And she right. manages to defend herself and defeat it, defeat this man. Um, but then when he finally gets up, they have to hug because she's so scared. Like, I didn't like that, you know, but like, it's also kind of realistic. Like she's literally being traumatized. So, you know, yeah, it's, just her, because... it's her first foray into doing literally anything. Supposedly. And that's the thing is like you said, like doing like she's eight, she's an, she's an active member. She's not, mm-hmm. she's not just like someone who's needs, he doesn't need to do stuff for her. And I think that's nice. So I, I'm giving it to them just because like, uh, they made us do too much work for Dolly. Like, <laughs> Okay, all right. I was trying to. No. I was trying to keep this a little bit I think, even. I think but... that's fair, and I think um, the the best movie won, and mm-hmm. I think uh, you know we explored because that's the thing is like this is the only reason Rhinestone's bad has nothing to do with Dolly Parton, and it's almost as if like she took something so shitty and she was still fun to watch. True. And that's yeah, hard. I, mean, I think that's difficult to do. I mean, she's she's amazing, and she's so consistent in everything that she does, I feel like. And it made me want to watch Steel Magnolias again, which is an amazing movie, and I will always, you know, rewatch that. But, yeah, like, I don't – did that movie even need Sylvester Stallone? Like, how how can we take him out of that but still have Rhinestone, you know? Yeah, because he does wear a rhinestone cowboy outfit at the end and ride a horse John Wick style through New York. So yeah, I really, I really tried to make sure that I kept track in every scene if someone was wearing rhinestones, but then mm-hmm. I kind of got lost in it because it wasn't a good movie. I'm just gonna say it. I got a little, got a little bored. I think it would be an amazing movie if they remade it today. Dolly Parton plays the same character. Hmm. But we get, like, a young buck, and the young buck falls in love with a 70-year-old Dolly Parton. I mean, I am into that. Because it's just like, oh, no, I'm still under contract with this terrible man. I mean, it could be. I mean, Mike, it really could be, like, uh, he goes to get his COVID vaccine, and Dolly is there, and as he's getting vaccinated he locks eyes with Dolly and he realizes that his humanity and exist very existence is locked up in her. So now I'm confused. Is this just a movie of someone falling in love with Dolly Parton? I was saying just, we just do rhinestone again. I know, but, (laughs) but I'm I'm thinking about how the realistic this could actually go. (laughs) No, I think there's a way to tie this together. Sorry. I'm perfect. There's a way. Okay. We'll find it. All right. Uh, that'll be our next episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Romancing the Stone won our uh, criteria tally up here. Uh, Rhinestone, you know, I think you mm-hmm. should watch it just because it's like, I think it's a cultural Do touchstone. You? Right? Do you? I mean, listen... Before we talked about it a few months ago, I didn't know it existed. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know it I will... existed either. <laughs> I, I will say my partner person who's mm-hmm. 
11 years older was like, oh, yeah, Rhinestone. Like, grew up watching that. I'm like, who are you? What is this movie? Yeah, you told me that he'd seen it and then you were going to tell, like, you couldn't tell me something about it or he couldn't discuss it with you because he was worried he would spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know that there's any way that you could spoil it. Maybe but... you're like, hey, there's a movie with Dolly Parton and Sylvester Stallone in it. And you're like, spoiled? Now I know I that. Th I think the spoiler spoiler was spoiler, it's terrible. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, you see the cover, you're like, I can get into this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I mean, I'd wear some of those jackets. Why not? Yeah. I would go to this bar and boo, you know. Yeah, let's do it. Let's All right. It. Um, so Romancing the Stone is our odd couple movie. Uh, we'll be back in a minute with some recommendations for other odd couple movies you should check out. All right, we're back. Uh, Megan and I are going to give you some recommendations for odd couple media. Um, ooh, now that I say media, we probably should have think thought of like a, an album that had odd couple. <gasps> ooh, I have one do it like off the cuff but no it's like so old though i don't think it's not relevant anymore that's not what recommendations are about it's about good stuff that people right, should check whatever. it check yeah, out maybe but i feel like everyone's gonna be like uh yeah i was around in 2005 too megan but I don't know. <laughs> my favorite kind of like quote-unquote odd couple collab is uh robert plant and allison krauss's album that they did so uh, first of all there's no way everybody has heard that um because i heard it specifically for this podcast um so there's no way everybody knows about oh. it oh but coincidence okay. city uh i was we were driving and i was listening to public radio today and uh -huh. the uh the um dj was talking about he's like okay our next um featured artist is Alison Krauss, and he gave this like long uh, mini biography. Uh, that's mm -hmm. counterintuitive, but um, and he mentioned <laughs> raising sand, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. But yeah, no. Wait, really? That just happened today? Yeah, in the car, and it was not what? like pre-recorded. It was like live. I'm like, this is insane. So that's wild. Okay, no, really. Like you said, oh shit, we should talk about albums too, and I'm like, okay, well, obviously, raising sand, Robert Plant, Alison Krauss incredible uh so good one of my favorites um it's all i can think about when we're talking about quote-unquote like odd couples as it relates to music um but yeah amazing have you listened to anything on that album yeah we look we listened to all of it uh this is we uh dan and i did it a while back so no it, it kicks oh, okay. a lot of ass um just because like she yes. she's she's a lot in a lot of ways like she's a famous country star that isn't in the shadow of dolly parton but like couldn't exist without her sort of thing mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. but like she is kind of more rooted in old country like with the fiddle and like banjo and all that sort of mm -hmm. stuff right and, but her vote she is such she has such she's a beautiful so voice so good um they said that she's yeah. Up Sorry, until last Sunday, she had the most um, Grammys, and then Beyonce just overtook her as of oh, like, really? last week. Yeah. Damn. I'm going to say something really controversial. I don't like Beyonce. 
Okay. Anyway, um, no, that's great. I love that you know what I'm talking about and that you've heard it. And um, it's amazing. I love that album so, so much. Um, so did did you find it because you just have diverse music tastes and you're always like checking in on stuff? Or uh, did someone introduce it to you? Or do you listen to country music all the time? No, that's a really good question. Um, so I grew up like almost strictly on country music being from like very rural Missouri. That's mm-hmm. pretty much all you had. Sure. Um, until I kind of discovered some like alt rock and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But anyway, um, you know, uh, love Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. They're one of my top bands of all time. Right. But I'm trying to remember how I heard about that collaboration specifically and I don't know that I remember how I heard about it, but I do remember listening to that album on repeat for, oh God, months, like at work. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was all I would listen to because it was acceptable for the workplace. Oh yeah. And it was so good in so many different ways and, in, in like levels of, um, like emotion and depth, but it was, I don't know. It was just amazing. I don't, I don't remember specifically. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll have to think about that. I need to ask a couple of friends cause I have a, I have a feeling one of my friends probably introduced me to that. And I just can't remember. I a terrible memory. I think that. that like what's so surprising about it is that Robert... how well it works. Well, yeah, because when you're like, Oh, Robert Plant has a, the reason I like him is because he sounds otherworldly, like he's an alien or a wizard or something. <laughs> and you Both. find out that, like, after John Bonham died, he was doing a lot of work. Like, he didn't mm-hmm. just sit back. Like, no. you know, they did the occasional, like, Led Zeppelin reunion. Right. You know, but, like, he was doing stuff. And he's still, like, uh, I think he put stuff out. And, like, after 2005 with her, like, he was doing Robert Plant and the, like, yeah. His own, like he had three albums he just has a on his podcast. own. Oh wow, that's awesome. But anyway. and it's not like you don't really expect her to, you know, um, do something out of the ordinary. But it finds out you find out that like both of them are so talented that they can sort of like move within the, their genre and like sort of stretch what they're good at because Absolutely. they're just incredibly talented artists. Yeah. So. So who's your who's your kind of uh, song like in that realm? Who's your odd couple for uh, a musical odd couple thing? Oh, I don't have a music one. I have a you movie. don't? No, not off the top of my head. Mine, mine's the movie Rush Hour with uh, Jackie Chan and <laughs> Chris, uh, Chris Tucker uh, because it still stands up. Which, like, I watched it recently, and I had rewatched uh, Shanghai Noon, which is another odd couple um, with Owen Wilson and Jackie Chan, and that does uh-huh. not stand up. It is, it's awful. Um, <laughs> which sucks, because it was, like, one of my favorite movies. Uh, but, like, Jackie Chan is so singularly himself, and Chris Tucker is such a good character actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do... It's it's so funny and it's still action packed and still like pretty pretty good story. 
Like, I did not watch the TV um, series Rush Hour, and I only mm-hmm. saw Rush Hour 2, and it was so bad I didn't want to see Rush Hour 3. Um, mm. And I think that, yes, it's like, oh, it's so crazy that, like, there's this cop from China and a black cop from L.A.? What? But uh, it's it's funny because, like, there are other cops in L.A., and they're nothing like Chris Tucker. And I think that's the best part of the movie is that, like, it's just these people are completely <laughs> not supposed to get along. Because one, like, they they don't necessarily either play by the rules sort of thing. And it's not, mm-hmm. it's not that sort of dichotomy. It's just, like, this person is very, like, driven by family and this other one seems really selfish. And then they sl- slowly, like, get closer to each other and mm. can trust each other. And that's how they bring down Jung Tao. Okay, they get the little girl back. <laughs> Thank God. And they both find out that they really like that song, War. Uh, what is it good for? That's a great song. And that's what that the movie's all about. There it is. Um, done and done. So this is the uh, plug section. Do you got anything to plug this time? I mean, I don't have anything personally that I'm doing. I'm maybe working on something. Cool creative but i mean i can like tell you what i've been watching yeah absolutely enjoying um if you have not seen the show insecure yet you're missing out because Issa ray is incredible and you're gonna have the best time um and then maybe something along the lines of uh kind of odd couple ish kind of coming together is a show called you're the worst um i think it's on hulu it is maybe have you seen it i've seen the first couple episodes you didn't like it no i just haven't gotten to it yet oh okay well it's one of those shows you kind of have to like watch a few and then you really love it and then it gets weirdly dark and then some weird shit happens but anyway um you're the way you're the worst was really uh an interesting show and i enjoyed it but um I think the other thing that we're like weirdly rewatching is Boston Legal. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Candace Bergen, right? Hell yeah. And Murphy Brown. William Shatner. Hell yeah, the Shat James Spader. That's um, right. And it's so hilarious that you brought up or you mentioned that uh, song War mm-hmm. because recently one of the episodes focused on that specific song. Um anyway, that's just just little weird that, and, idiosyncrasies in the world. That that's my favorite thing is to be like, oh yeah, huh. look at that connection. Mm-hmm. Who saw that coming? Love it. Um, so this has been comparing apples to oranges. Today we decided that Romancing the Stone definitely worth your time. Check it out. Uh, rhinestone, cultural touchstone, or a huge pile of shit that no one should ever Dumpster. rewatch. Who knows? Dumps. Dumpster fire of trash. History will decide. (laughs) Uh, So I'm Mike. I'm Megan. And we will uh, catch you next time. Bye. Bye. That's exactly what we mean. That ain't exactly what we said. We left and talked and talked and Be a stranger.
So now you know when Megan and I told you it was bad, that's what we were talking about. He just yells. Like, even Dolly Parton's beautiful voice gets clobbered by his ineptitude. Well, thanks for listening to episode 63 of the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Got that blogger site up to date with all the past episodes of the podcast. Go ahead and check that out. It's at thecatopodcast.blogspot.com. I think I also put in the show notes for you. Speaking of show notes, got some goodies in there uh, from Romancing the Stone and from Rhinestone. Go ahead and check those out. Any comments or ideas for future episodes of the podcast, send them to... On Twitter, it's at the Cato Podcast, all one word, C-A-T-O for Cato. Or emails at CatoPodcast at gmail.com. That intro, outro, and music bed music was thumbs up by the artist Leisure B. If you liked him or that song, go ahead and check him out at humanworkshops.com. See you next month. Bye.